Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Good morning, good morning. How y'all doing? How y'all doing in the cafe? Are you ready for some hot and steamy conversation this morning? What you drinking on? What you sipping on? Carmel Macchiato? That's my favorite beverage right there. That's how I get my day started. Hot and steamy. My mother and I had a fantastic relationship. This, this is Stephen, and I just wanted to share. You should always be in a place where you're celebrated. Life is too short to stay somewhere and tolerate If you cannot help a person, don't hurt them, especially the black. Stories just hold essences that bring out the best in other people. Something that touches other people, and that's what your show does. It doesn't. It's not just conversation as you started. It actually has a purpose. Always be ready, and she keeps me in chat. Dr. Lab? Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. How are you? I am great. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful, wonderful. We're doing something new on on the show um, since your last visit. We started uh, a relationship with Facebook Live. So we have our Facebook Live audience listening as well. How about that? All right. Good morning, Facebook Live audience, and good morning to everyone. Yeah, so um, we're going to get ready and start the show, and um, I'm but I wanted to say a few things about you before um, we did that. Because, you know, she's been on the show before. She's a return guest. So thank you for that. We appreciate you coming back. But, I mean, we had such a great time talking when you were last here, and the conversation was just awesome and amazing, and that we invited her back to share more. And I'm going to prep you as to where we were in that conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, Dr. Pamela Love. She's a phenomenal speaker. She's written this book, I Want My Vagina Back. And when she goes around the country to workshop about this material. Now, I believe too many times too many times, too, too many times, women have had regrets about how they utilize and explore and practice their sexuality. But what Dr. Love did is she had a conversation um, with someone that inspired her to write this piece to begin to have a conversation about it. So welcome to the show, Dr. Love. Welcome. Thanks for Thank back. you. So glad to be back. I appreciate it. Indeed an honor. So thank you, thank you. And I have my coffee, have my coffee, so I'm good. <laughs> we have conversations like this. You need a little coffee and a little something else, too. And, That's and right. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, Dr. Love, our last conversation I'm going to show, I just want to give um, our audience, our Facebook Live um, people, um, just a brief recap on what we discussed. We talked about... Um, promiscuity. We talked about the connection of, of women with men um, and, and what happens when you begin to have some kind of contact with them, whether it's kissing or love or that kind of thing. We talked about that hormonal experience, right? Mm-hmm. 
talked about males making a deposit into women and what that means. And so I'm saying all this to you guys because we're not going to revisit that, but I do want you to go back and find the show on the Facebook page or the Facebook group or on the website, Coffee Talk with Poets. Find that show and listen to that. Um, Brandon had questions about the types of women that the book were written for, and she, um, actually I'm going to let her tell you that. She said she wrote the book for three types of women. The first one, Facebook Live, please type this, is for the women who have past regrets. Past regrets. So if you have past regrets, this book is for you. The second one, Dr. Love, you ready to chime in? Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, so again, anybody, any woman who has regrets, um, any woman who really wants to, um, you know, may, may say, you know what, I haven't had these encounters, but you have nieces, uh, daughters, others that you can share this information with, that is really, really important because one of the things we found is that, you know, um, so many of us did not have those kinds of conversations with our mothers, with our aunties or whoever it was. And so it's also for that woman. Um, and it's also for girls and women who, you know, maybe are considering certain things. But it's really about helping you to make more values driven decisions. So it's about for those women who need to become uh, more clear about their values and align their values with their actions so they can uh, minimize their regrets. All right, so Dr. Lowe, when we last left off, we were talking about your own story, and you were beginning to say um, that your mom uh, had no idea that you had experienced molestation in your life until you wrote your first book. Mhm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um um and as a matter of fact, my story is in the book. Um in in this book. Um but my mother did not know um that I had neither of my parents um knew that I had been molested. And you know, the thing is, when that happens to you when you're younger, you don't always have words for that. How, how do you even describe and what do you say to people? And depending on the messages or your ability to trust or feel open to, to even communicate certain things that make you feel uncomfortable, you know, we don't, off, we don't often share. So, you know, I grew up in a household where we didn't talk, you know, it wasn't very open. So it, that's true. It wasn't until my first book was written, um, a little before it came out, I shared the book with my mother and had a conversation, and that was the first time that she was hearing that that had happened. I'd shared it with my dad maybe um, a few years before he passed, and, um, you know, he was just shocked. But it all you could see that it made sense to him as to why I had gone through certain things in my life, why I had acted out as a teen, why I was so rebellious. And so, you know, I, I often share with parents um, and, and just women in general, pay attention to your children when they're beginning to act out. It's a good possibility that something has happened, particularly if they haven't been acting like that before. What What were some things that you did when you um, when you began acting out? What What did that look like for you? So for me, by the time I was um, 12 years old, I was um, drinking. I was getting drunk. Um, I would literally, my father used to have alcohol um, in the house, 
And I would literally take that, sometimes mixing Bacardi and vodka together. Um, I was just, just trying to numb my pain. I, and I couldn't even, again, I didn't, didn't, couldn't even describe it. So, so I was drinking. I was already smoking. I would take my mom's cigarettes. And um, and then at that time, you could buy a pack of cigarettes for 50 cents. And um, we, my, me and friends would go and buy cigarettes. I was smoking. I was drinking. And then I was also introduced to marijuana at that time in elementary school. And so I started getting high and getting drunk very early to mask my pain. But I would go into my room so my parents would not know what was going on. I would go and go to sleep. So they just figured, you know, you're a teenager, you're young. Um, at that time, I was preteen, and, and but into my teen years, they were not paying enough attention to notice that I would be drunk. So I did that in addition to then um, becoming very promiscuous. So when I was 13 years old, I ended up pregnant by a young man who was um, older than me. And so when my parents found out that I was pregnant, because I was so far along in the pregnancy, um, they refused to allow me to keep the child. And so I had to go into the hospital and have what you call a saline-type abortion, where they inject a needle, remove the amniotic fluid, and it causes you to go into labor. So I literally was 13 years old, laying in a hospital um, for hours and hours, and actually overnight, but that uh, by midnight, um, I ejected a dead child from my body, one of the most traumatic experiences that I've gone through. Oh, wow. Dr. Love, thank, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and, and thank you for coming through. Thank you for coming through with that and, and just seeing how God has had a purpose for your life to give a message to people. Um, I, I want to say, and here's a question I have for you um, about that. Yeah, I, I find it just, it just blows my mind. As long as I've been doing this show and as many people as I interview and speak with and film different platforms, I'm finding how common it was that a lot of African-American girls and, and boys for that were molested. And, and, and you know, what, what transcends in my mind and my heart is that this power of silence that mm-hmm. we all keep quiet. How does that happen? Well, if you know, if you think about him historically, particularly for African Americans, you know, coming out of slavery, um, that where the master could do anything, and the and others could do anything, and you learn to be quiet to protect your family, you learn to be quiet to save your family's life, um, and I think that then if you fast forward, even coming out of slavery. If you look at some of the policies that were put in place, for instance, the man in the house rule that, you know, and if you've ever watched the movie Claudine, you'll see that where the woman um, is hiding the toaster and she's also hiding the man. Because if you had a man in the house, then you would could potentially lose your benefits. So there have been these things that have happened in society that says, "Shh, be quiet, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell what's going on." And so that transfers to even what goes on in, with our bodies. So for many of us, we grew up in households where we were told, "Keep family business where in the household." You do not go out and tell. So when you're hearing that message, even if they're just talking about something that's going on between mother and father or whatever, um, when you're hearing that, 
you you internalize that. So when something happens to you, you're told you're not supposed to tell anyone outside of that household or keep it in the household. So I think that that's something that we've perpetuated over the years. Nobody needs to know your business. Just, you know, people, people that's all they want to know is your business. And even when after I um, had the abortion and I was so devastated from many things, and, of course, I'm drinking, which then causes depression. So I'm depressed. I was already depressed before, but it made it worse by me drinking. And I attempted to commit suicide. Now, I had attempted to commit suicide two or three times before my mother knew I tried to commit suicide. It's just I called a friend and said, I just took these pills. This was probably the third or fourth time. The So they ended up taking me to the hospital. After that, the, they called, the psychiatrist called or the, the psychologist, I don't remember who it was, but they wanted to schedule an appointment for me to come and get some help. My mother's response was, they just want the money. So they never took me to get any kind of help. So it's that kind of thing that has effect that affects us because we don't get the support that we need and we are taught to be quiet and it'll be okay. And we're told, pray about it, everything's going to be okay. And I do believe that, yes, I believe prayer changes things. And we also can use some support to be able to talk about what's going on and to process it. Because when you've been traumatized, then your brain in some cases is frozen at that state. And that's going to affect you for the rest of your life until you begin to deal with it. So dealing with it, so we know now, we know now, and Facebook listeners are understanding that we know now that we need to pay attention to our children watch for signs of behavioral things and approach them and talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. We also know power and silence. So Facebook people, please, please type right now and break the silence. We have got to break the silence. And not just mm-hmm. for sexual misconduct, but with a lot of things. I mean, we're hurting in so many ways, and we continue to keep silent. And that's what this show is about. It's about facing it. It's about knowing that you can and you can come through. You can recover from anything, you know. But we gotta create a safe place to have conversations like this. So thank you, thank you, Dr. Love. So in your book, you mentioned something that I find to be very, very um, uh, stimulating uh, mm-hmm. and awakening. You said that um, instead of asking people what's wrong, you should ask them. Uh, how can I help? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's that, that judgment zone. Where, where does I, that thought come from? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting talking with a, a young lady um, who does a lot of work around um, trauma care. Um, after hearing her story, that really resonated with me because she said that people always was asking her, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And think about it. We say this. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with this, this girl? She's just acting up. I don't know what's wrong with her. Instead of saying, how can I help you? Because how can I help you gives you a space to say, I'm hurting. I, you know, And sometimes the answer is, I don't know. But it opens up a different dialogue and creates a different space than when you say, you know, um, you know, what's wrong with you? What, you know, what, what, what's going on? It creates this judgment as if, 
Yeah, I hear you. You're saying what's going on, but you already are coming at me with a tone that makes me not feel safe to even share with you. So I think it softens it a little bit when we say, how can I help you? What What do you need? What 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 can I do for you? It says, I'm here for you. I'm going to listen. And, you know, and I can tell you, sometimes it's when people share things with you, like I, I said um, before, some of the young ladies and older women who have shared things with me uh, sometimes is shocking. It's like, you're doing what? Wait a minute. You're sleeping with your first cousin. What in the world? You slept with your brother. Whoa, wait a minute. But I've had to learn to step back and say, this is their reality. Let me not place a judgment on you because they're, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could have been in the same situation doing some of the same things. And so I think when we learn to take the judgment out of it, that it softens it a little bit and gives us a space. It creates a space of trust. As long as once the person tells you what it is they need, that then you, your response is not judgmental or, why didn't you do this before? Why didn't you tell me to, you know? So just, you know, we it, the more that we learn, as the Bible talks about being other-minded, when we are other-minded, when we are taking people into consideration, hearing them and hearing through them through the the ears of God, not through the ears of flesh, it makes a tremendous difference. What what made the difference for you in terms of getting you to readjust your life to come out of that? How did you transition from that dark place that you were in dealing with molestation and drinking and and drugs and and, and the alcohol and the negative people. What did you hit like rock bottom, or what was the turning point for you to begin to allow you to pull your life together and and, and to part, get on a different track? Okay, yeah. Part of the turning point was for me is when I um, gave birth to my son. When I got pregnant with my um, son, who is now let's see, thirty four, um, he was. It's such a blessing to me because remember, I'd had an abortion when I was 13. So when I got pregnant with him, I was getting ready to go in the Air Force, and then I found that I was pregnant. So that closed that door, and I refused to abort that child. Having him all of a sudden gave me a life or someone that I knew that I had to live for, that I needed to care for, I needed to protect. And so it was that, but then I went through a lot of other things after having him, and then I had my daughter two years later, um, went through a lot of things. I ended up going to therapy. I, I put myself in therapy, and I've spent a lot of time um, working through situations. And I can tell you that that was really powerful. You know, it has also been strengthening my relationship with God that, I was, you know, just, I had, I had grown up in church, but I didn't have a relationship with God. So that was really, and, and the therapist that I've used has been really good at using the Bible and helping me to apply scriptures and challenging me and showing me how I was stuck, um, that, you know, that, that my behavior, I was, I was making decisions um, as the 13-year-old and not as a 40-year-old or the 35-year-old or wherever I was. And that, so that little girl was still running my life, the little girl who had the abortion, the little girl who was molested, the little girl who, had, who was drinking and doing all these things. I was making decisions as a child. So 
I had to learn how to heal, and a lot of that came through going through therapy and then applying scripture to my life and beginning to walk this out. Now, I can tell you, it it sometimes is a battle even with depression because, it, it, the, you know, your brain gets changed. And so for me, it's daily. I have to make sure that I'm doing things to keep me out of a, a dark place. Okay. Well, uh, I have some more um, tips for you all that's listening. Uh, what we're going to do right now, Dr. Love, is take a quick break Um and then I want to do a shout-out to all of our Facebook listeners. And then we're going to come back and talk about that, um, that I refer to, I think you refer to it as well, as arrested development, when you're just captured by your trauma and you don't move past it. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Let's do a okay. quick commercial break. Then we're going to shout-out to all of our Facebook listeners out there. So we will be right back. Have you heard? Sponsorships are requested. Coffee Talk with Soy is looking for dynamic entrepreneurs like yourself. If you're motivated, energetic with a message or product, consider advertising with us. It's a win-win. For more information on those advertising and sponsorship packages, visit the website Coffee Talk with Soy or call me at 515-I-GOT-SOY. And again, that's 515-I-GOT-SOY. All right, all right. So if you are just joining us, I'm here with Dr. Love, and we're talking about her new book. We just finished sharing about her own experiences, and we're going to get more into that. But I want to go ahead and recognize some of our uh, Facebook followers who are with us. We're breaking the silence. Tracy, I love that you type, breaking the silence. Yes. Kim Petaway, breaking the silence. Joanne has a very interesting comment on that. You should go back and read those. Thank you for breaking the silence, Joanne. Uh, Cheryl, Sugarfoot is with us. Thank you for joining and tuning in with us, too. Uh, we've got quite a feed here. Josh Johnson, thank you. Yoki, I see you, too. Thank you. The tea lady is in the building. Are you sipping coffee or tea lady? It's okay as long as you're with us. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin White, don't start nothing. Sure. Happy birthday, dude. Thank you. You celebrate when you stop to have a cup of coffee with soy. I appreciate that. Turn card, always showing love. Virgo, Helen, I see you. And the awesome, awesome, uh, just a great sounder of uh, information and, and wisdom is Candy Winfield. She's also a licensed therapist. Y'all check her out. Visit her. She's good. She's good. So we're going to go ahead and get back to the show. I'll come back to my Facebook followers in a bit, but let me go ahead and bring Dr. Love back on. So, Dr. Love, uh, we, you began before the birth, you began telling us about what, um, how you transition and what your turning point for. I think some of that we all can relate about kids. I mean, there's so much power in our children. Sometimes we look at them and look into the eyes of them. And, and their joyous moments and their happy moments, even in the sadness in their eyes, we find strength to move on. So I think we all can relate that kids do bring us a source of power. The Almighty God, we can't touch that. When you're with them and on track and have a relationship with him, it, it just it changes your, your life. And, and you just can't go back to a different lifestyle once you begin to walk with him. But what mm-hmm. I want us to transition 
um, arrested development, you thought that even though you were at a, at a later age in life, which you classified yourself as adult, you were still making 13-year-old decisions. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. So what happens when we experience trauma um, it can cause what um, something they call arrested development, which means that the brain really stops developing in certain areas when it comes, you know, emotional development, um, risk-taking, decision-making. Some of those things that would normally grow or grow normally begins to be arrested. And so what happens is when we um, are growing up and when we're adults, Sometimes we're making decisions, um, we're psychologically still at the age of our trauma in certain areas of our lives. And so when we're making decisions, you know, and, and it's interesting because I can look at sometimes women and look at the behavior, and if you listen to them long enough, I can see about where they are developmentally. Are you still a teenager? You know, children act certain ways, and you can observe that. So when that happens, one of the things that um, I, I learned as I was going through therapy is that when I looked at various situations in my life, I was reenacting them. And so what I learned, we reenact the unresolved. So, you know, if you wonder why things keep showing up in your life, sometimes subconsciously, we are reenacting the the unresolved. So I could look at situations. You talk about being silent. I had a situation, another traumatic event where I was maybe four, five or six, maybe four or five, and I'm in in, in daycare. And the daycare provider puts me in the basement because I was crying when I got there. I didn't want to be there. And she says, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to put you in the basement. She did. It was dark. I stood there. And what I realized was I became quiet because she told me if I be quiet, then I could come back upstairs. I got quiet. She let me upstairs. What I learned is when I wanted something, I learned to be quiet in certain situations. And that was being reenacted in my life over and over throughout my adulthood until I came to the understanding that I was still that little girl standing at the bottom of the steps and these things. And so until I resolved that, until I could get free from that, it was being reenacted. Oh, stop, stop right there. Stop. Oh, I can't take it. Oh, my God. You about to have me break down. Did y'all hear that? We... Reenact the unresolved. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Please share, share, please share. Facebook, Facebook followers, if you're on the live, please share this. People need to hear this. We yeah. reenact the unresolved. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That, that's so and, and we do. We wonder. We said, why? Well, you know, why? It looks so it looks a little different. But when you start looking at the thread, if you're looking at what's happening in the experience, it's so similar. Might be different people, might be different places, but it's really the same situation and how we're responding to it. So until we resolve that, we continue to attract certain situations and experiences. And because we're trying to resolve those things, the mind, the when God created us, it is it, he it, absolutely amazing. And so we wonder why we keep dealing with these things. And sometimes people will say, oh, you know what, you don't need to go see no therapist. Da, da, da. And and maybe you don't need to go see the therapist. I, I you know, I'm I'm a proponent of therapy. 
maybe you know but but being able to talk to someone who can give you wise counsel who can look into your life and see what's going on and to help you to see to to know what you don't know cuz you know you you if you don't know how do you know and so we keep trying to push forward and we don't understand some of these fears and what's underneath of what we're dealing with and why we keep staying in these cycles and until we break that, until we consciously address those things and begin to move forward, we find ourselves stuck. Wow. Going back to the town in the basement, that's phenomenal. So before we wrap up the show and end, uh, Dr. Love, let's go back to the book, and, mm-hmm. which I thoroughly enjoyed. Before forwarding me a copy, um, please visit um, her website, Dr. Love, tell them where they can find more information about you and where they can get a copy of the book. Share, share, share the lies. Please share the lies. When you love, okay. share. Uh, Thank you. Lies, so where can they find information to get the book? So the book, the I Want My Vagina Back book, is located on Amazon.com. So you can purchase a copy there. For additional information um, about me and some of the things I'm doing, you can go to drpamlove.com. Again, that's drpamlove.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Um, I have an I Want My Vagina Back page, but um, more generally I use the Pam Love Manning page. Um, so, but but to order a copy of the book, just go to Amazon, and it's also on Kindle for those of you who like to download books. Um, you can you can order that book on Kindle, and I would just encourage um, ladies to share. This has been a book that universities have used, um, organizations across the country have used. Um, I have a therapist now who's using it with a group of women, and um, it really encourages women and girls to open up and have dialogues. It's it's really powerful. So we know that we can't get our vagina back. We know that. We, we know mm-hmm. we can't do a vagina recall. Can't do a vagina recall, which is one of my girlfriend's missions. Can I just can we just put out a recall back and that their mind and they can just not know the existence? We can't do that. But in exchange for that, what and just approach that. Well, you know, I mean, that's a really good question because many women do say, oh, you know, you can't go back and change. You're absolutely right. You cannot go back and change the past, but you can make better decisions going forward. And so what you will get from the book is to learn to become clear about your core values. I would challenge your audience to write down your top five to ten core values and look at if you are aligning your values with your actions, when you're making decisions, are they aligned with who you say you are and what you believe? Because if you align your actions with your values, you will minimize your regrets. So that's the biggest thing that you you can walk away with, that in the future you'll make better decisions. You'll also share from a healthier place um, when you're sharing with other people versus from your pain. And you will be able to help others to minimize their regrets and make better decisions. What are, what are some examples of, of some values? I know that some of your participants in the book talked about some of those. So what can we share with the audience and the Facebook Live listeners this morning about those values? 
values, um, you know, which which are your beliefs and things. So um, whether it's faith, whether it's love, whether it's family, whether it's um, honesty. So um, I use the example for if you say that honesty is one of your core values, then take a look at the people who are around you. And if you have people around you who, and, and particularly those in your close circle, if they are liars, if they're not as honest, then mm, that's going to create some um, challenges for you. It, you know, you, you're going to feel like uncomfortable being around those people. So it helps you to decide who needs to be close to me and who needs to be at arm's length. So, it, you know, if, if they're asking you to go out um, on a date and you say that pre, premarital sex is not something that you, you know, you believe that that's, that's important to you to not have premarital sex, but if you have someone who's constantly pushing you to try to have, to engage in sex, then maybe he's not for you. Maybe that's not the person, you know, that that's good for you, or you all need to have a conversation so you can be clear about um, what's important to you. So being clear about your values, what you, you know, if, if faith is important, you know, with it working, you're going to say no to job opportunities that's going to conflict with your faith and your beliefs. So it's it's really important to become clear about that, who you are, what you believe, and then look at your actions. Because if you're not being guided by your values and your principles, then you will allow other people to influence you and tell you what you believe and what's important to you and, and all of that, which happens a lot with women. We Because we're not always taught very early to become clear about what we value and to protect those values. So I say what we value, we will preserve and protect. And that includes our body. So, you know, so the same thing I think I shared in the last show, the way that we don't, you don't allow people to just touch your hair. You don't let them to come and put this, oh, I like your hair, rub, let me rub my fingers through your hair. You're like, are you crazy? It is the same way with our body. So that which we value, we preserve and we protect. Wow, this has been an amazing show. I thank you so much for hanging out with me. Again, uh, Dr. Love, thank you. Thank you so much. And before we say um, goodbye and farewell to uh, the radio program, I just want to share with you my espresso shot of the day, which is work on yourself. I need everyone to type that in. Work on yourself. I mean, if we spend time that's necessary to work on ourselves, find out who we are. Um, like Dr. Love mentioned, those values. This is funny how my uh, espresso shot of the day was work on yourself, which tapped into values. So I think it's, it's just aligned to kind of reinforce that this message is purposeful today. I, I believe that, you know, we all have gifts. We have gifts and we have a journey and we have a purpose here. And when you begin to work on yourself, you begin to find out what your gifts are and what your purpose is. And once you begin to align yourself up with what your purpose is, you find that every day you wake up, it is a joy to be alive. You begin to find something besides yourself to live for and to serve others. I think that's the greatest gift of all, to give something back. So I hope you've taken um, some of these comments, some of this information has been shared to uh, make your life a better life, and definitely share this information with other people. So thank you so much for hanging out in the studio with me 
this morning, Dr. Love. It's been an amazing experience, and you continue to have an awesome Saturday. And, and listen, this is an open-door invitation. You can come back whenever you want. Whenever <laughs> Thank you. Back. Thank you. Okay, I so appreciate it.
feel numb at times. You may, and, and sometimes anger just comes up. You don't even realize where it's coming from. Um, so there are myriad emotions that we go through. And, but one of the things that I've learned is it is important to walk through the process of being able to forgive. And that, and I say the process because it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But learning to forgive, because the one thing that you, you um, I'm coming to see more and more is that some of the people who have hurt you, you know, you hear hurting people hurt people. We don't know what those individuals have gone through. What would make them do something like that to you? What have they experienced? And so we continue these cycles of things and people who are hurting us, and then we don't tell anyone, and so they get to hurt somebody else. You know, I didn't tell who the person was in my life, so so I was in the same situation. So how do you get to a point where you're able to move forward? Um, You know, first of all, I would commend your and applaud your guests for um, even opening up to admit that that has happened. That's an important step. That's beginning to break the silence. And so now finding someone who she can trust and I can tell you also that, you know, um, go, finding therapists that you can work with is a process. Talking to people who, you know, and finding out what their experience has been with someone, because every therapist may not be the best therapist for you. So, you know, being able to talk to people that you feel comfortable in, and then interviewing therapists, people who work with sexual trauma, um, you know, finding someone who is an expert in that area, or at least that's something that they can work with, is going to be really important. So I think, yes, to your answer, do we want to hurt people? Absolutely. We want to get back. We want to get revenge. But that's not God's way. And so you have to come to a place of forgiveness and also looking at yourself, well, the thing that I found with, with a lot of women, they begin to feel guilt and saying, maybe if I hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have been in that situation, depending on what happened. Or maybe if I had just told. So it's also important to begin to um, to release the guilt that we carry and the shame of what took place and the shame of all the things that we've done as a result of what took place, things that we've done to ourselves or allowed other people to do to us. So it's a lot of work that has to be done just in terms of healing from that, that trauma, and it takes it takes time. Okay. Great, great, great. Okay, let me see if I could join this person as a question. Let's see. All right, Ms. Joanne, you're on the air. Go ahead with your question for Dr. Love. Hi, Dr. Love, and I just want to thank you. I uh, have a, a stepchild that was in a situation similar to this. She didn't have a person to go to because the person that she went to was her mother, and she was the person that was soliciting her six-year-old daughter. This happened to her from six years old to eight years old. Um, she's ten. She's ten now. Um, when they found this out, they took her out of the home and put her in foster care. And at this point, she 
was crawling in the bed with one of the the sons. What happened with her is she went to school and her teacher saved her because she wrote on the blackboard, she was acting out, 313 um, fan man. 313 is what apartment he, at 8, in the number 8. 313 was his apartment number. Um, the eight times, eight times, eight was the eight times that he touched her where the baby diaper goes, and Fan Man was his name. Mm. So it took them two years to prosecute them. So now I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm working a relationship with her now. So the question was, why didn't you all save me? Hmm. So how can you save someone when I didn't even know where you were? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So at this point, she's in a home with a cousin that has no male, um, no no male presence, um, and a 15 year old that's trying to get her, but where she needs to be. But through this, she's developed all kind of mental issues. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was the question: How do I relate to her when Caitlin talks to me and she say, "Why didn't you save me?" Yeah. I'm just a stepmother, right. so that's right. where I'm at right now with that. And um, see, part of the challenge with that is, I mean, some of that's going to come, you know, can come through therapy, working with a with a therapist, and over time, um, you know, being able to help her because. When you're that little, you know, one of the things that when you're really young, that's a stage where you're learning to trust. And so the the people who are closest to you, when those are the people that hurt you, you learn to distrust. And so that affects all other relationships going forward, that you feel like if the people closest to me hurt me, hmm, how can I trust anybody? And until you work through that, there's this level of distrust towards others. So it it will be a process of helping her and being consistent. That's the one thing that I find. When a person is consistent in your life and they consistently show you that they love you unconditionally, that even when you're acting out, you you know, to still say, I love you and we're going to get through this. I'm, you know, I, I I apologize that, you know, that I wasn't there. I couldn't, I wasn't there. I didn't know. I, you know, I would have been able to try to help you, but reinforcing that in her mind and then showing her that you're there now, in the in the way that you can, because sometimes, I mean, that can be very challenging when people begin to act out and do things, or you can't spend the kind of time that you might want to spend with them. So I would just encourage you to just be consistent with her, to constantly show her that you love her, to to speak life into her, to um, say things to her that are affirming of her, and letting her know that you are there. I think that that can help. Um, in the in the process, but it, it is going to be a process because that early stage yeah. trust is has been broken. And, and you know, I don't. And she doesn't look at that. She's her words were, "I'm trying to help my mom, and my mom needs money." And the sad part was, the mom was grooming her for prostitution, and that wasn't the mm-hmm. only eight year old. And the men were seventy years old. 60 years old, um, 
he, I, I think the one guy was 76. Mm. He was a fan man. So wow. it, it, so her, her, she does not have a resentment towards her mother. Her mother's in prison right now. The guy's in prison as well. And uh, the person that was grooming her to for the street is the one, the guy, this is the one that she's, she likes. She feels like, oh, this is my, my savior. But he wasn't. He was grooming her to be a prostitute for her mother. Wow. So, yeah, and, 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 and I do. And she does have extensive counseling a, a lot. She actually counsels every week, and she counsels um, uh, with three psychiatrists once a month. So, but that was the problem that I had, not feeling guilty because I didn't know where she was. And they reached mm. out to me. Child Protective mm-hmm. Services reached out to me a couple of months ago. So at this point, you know, I didn't know what to do because I have men in my house, so I can't take you because right. at this point right. they don't want you to have that. They don't want to have male presence. So the mm-hmm. cousin that she's with has no male presence, but she does have a little a baby that's, that's a boy. But no, no one is over five months old and everybody else are women. So I was just trying to figure out how to work that. How, what, what do you say? Um, yeah. Because and I would talk with her since she since she's in counseling. Talk with the counselors, the therapists, to see how you can best support her. Because since they are working directly with her, they'll know. You know, they they'll be asking her questions. They'll help be helping her through this. They will be one of your greatest resources in terms of how you can best support her. Because there's no one size fits all. You have to look at the individual and what they've gone through. And since they they have that direct contact with her, reach out to them. And mm-hmm. if, you know, and if you're allowed to, even you know, they may bring you in at some point. But they'll have to you know figure that out. But they can tell you what you can do to support her during this time. Yeah, I I, I go to a support person now, just for me to to be able to deal with that because in my yeah. head all you think about is you know she was she was sick they mm-hmm. caught it up with her when she was eight well she's yeah. 10 she had to go and tear up a whole school room in order for somebody to hear her because she had no one at home to hear so i i yeah. understand that and yeah. i and i and i have i do talk to them i do talk to them consistently yeah. well actually once a week i do that's good. And, you know, you raise a, a really important point, and this is, you know, for everyone that, you know, sometimes things are right in front of us. And, you know, she wasn't there with you, but sometimes we have people right around us, whether it's the neighbor's child, whether it's somebody in our house or niece or nephew, and our our interactions with people, particularly close, can be so superficial that we aren't looking at, you know, we aren't looking into the eyes of a person. I shared, I think, before that it was a young lady, one of my former students, who would always have this big smile, but when you looked into her eyes, you could see the sadness. And so sometimes we aren't really stopping to say, how are you? No, tell me, how are you? And just sometimes hugging a person or being present with a person, sitting there and not saying anything and just allowing them to open up and talk. So building those trusting relationships with young people and, and not so young people is really important in order to get them to be able to open up. Because you can't just say, you got to tell me, tell me, tell me, what's going on? That's, they have to feel safe, that they can trust that if they tell you what's going on, that 
you're going to respond in a loving way and not in some way that's going to hurt them like they've already been hurt. Right. Okay. Okay. And 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 the the funny thing is, she doesn't live here. She lives in she lives she lives in Ohio actually, and mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. seen her, but I talked to her. So mm. I've never I've never seen her, but we have we do talk. I talk to her probably once a week. I talk to her now stepmom every other day just about. But I I've not met her to see her in okay. her face. She's FaceTimes me and stuff like that, but it's not a. And the mother was a victim of child molestation by her stepfather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the That's mom usually what's happened. Gave the yeah. daughter. Yes, mm-hmm. mom gave the daughter to the mom. Well, the mom, her grandmother, gave her back to the mother once the, the little girl became, you know, body, you know, like started forming like a like her body. Mm-hmm, so I was mm-hmm. thinking that would save her, but she didn't yeah. realize she was taking her from the frying pan and putting her in the pot of boiling water. Yeah, because she now went from I, bad to work. Yeah, now I hear you. Yeah, well, she I, went I from think, bad yeah, to worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. I, it, it, it's a lot to it. I really wish you well with that, and I'm glad you have the resources yeah. there. Um, I know, um, Soy. We have you wanted to bring it back to you. You have anything? Yeah, I just wanted to. Um, I hope that was helpful, Joanne. Thank you. Yes, it is. Yes, it was. Uh, you, you were awesome and brave in doing that. I hope that answers response helps someone else. So thank you so much. For, it's a it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Doctor Love. You're oh, you're awesome. very welcome. Well, I wish you well. Thank, thank you. Thank you so yes, much. Happy, yes, thank happy, happy resurrection yes. to you. Yes. Hung out in the cafe all day, all morning long. <laughs> I see, a little longer than yes, yes, yes. But thank you again. Yes, I really appreciate it. Yes. All right. All right. Well, have a happy Resurrections um, Sunday to you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for being a part of the show. Have a great. You're one. very welcome. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.